Wow. Hi, guys. Look at that. Yeah, uh, welcome to Summer Blue Mountains 2022. Uh, exciting, right? It's been a bit of a staggered start with people away for holidays and, and sickness and isolating and all of that, but still really fantastic to be getting going this year. We're spending the whole of this year focusing on Jesus. And we did the year of biblical literacy two years ago, and then last year the year of authentic community in the world, and this year the year of the story and way of Jesus, looking at who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what, it, what does it mean to follow him. And I think this has potential to profoundly shape our church, and I'm really praying that this will be a really groundbreaking year for us as we understand our Lord Jesus and what it means to follow him. Today I'm introducing uh, the year with a key text, Luke 14, 25 to 35, where Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. What strikes me about the last few weeks is that I've had such a comfortable life, despite COVID, comfortable home, feasting over Christmas, beautiful social gatherings, friends, family, pretty good. And then I read a passage like this where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And it's quite jarring, actually. What does Jesus mean? Well, let's look at the cost of being a disciple. And then I have three questions for you. Well, the cost of being a disciple, Luke 14, 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, our normal response to that is, bummer, bad news, right? Um, and especially if you read the verses before that, verse 26, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And I guess there are two ways of responding to that. Some might be saying, well, I'm qualified then. And others might be saying, Jesus, could you make it easier, please? Because um, it looks awful, right? Take up your cross. And it's challenging. But I think one of the reasons we think it's so awful is we only think about the cost of discipleship and not what we're getting as a result. <laughs> this is a major mistake. If we're buying a new car or building a new house, Dan and Mel just spent a lot of money on building a new house, yeah? Um, but it's a mistake to think only about what it cost. Mostly we think, yeah, but what are we getting as a result of that cost? Uh, Jesus does talk about counting the cost, but more than that, Jesus is saying this is the greatest opportunity in the history of humanity, that we could know God through Jesus Christ and find a new life in him and all that that means. The son of God in our lives, the spirit of God amongst us, learning a new way to live, which is liberating at every level. And he's saying, if we want to be if you want to be my disciple, it has to be the most important thing in your life. More important than mother, 
Father, wife, children, brother and sister. But you have to understand that what you're going to get is worth far more than that. It is. So much so that you'd absolutely stop at nothing, wouldn't you? To have what Jesus offers and give up everything to have it. Does that make sense? See, there's a book on the cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But if we were going to be biblical, we'd also write a book on the cost of non-discipleship. Because if we're going to count the cost, we have to weigh up both sides. What's it going to be cost to be a disciple, but what's it going to cost to not be a disciple? So when we talk about discipleship, one of the evil one's strategies is to make us think how awful it's going to be to follow Jesus and forget to see how awful it already is. See, this is what Jesus is talking about. Notice verses 28 to 32 in Luke 14. He's talking about building a house. He's talking about going to war. He says, do the sums. Figure out what's involved before you decide what you're going to do. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. You need to understand what's involved with being a disciple. And then verse 33, in the same way, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. He's saying, nothing we possess is more valuable than being Jesus' disciple. Now, let's look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Because it's saying exactly the same thing. It's where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I want to say this as strongly as possible. This is saying exactly the same thing as Jesus said in Luke 14. It's just in a different context. But it's exactly the same point that Jesus is making. Because taking his yoke upon us and learning from him, that's the cost of discipleship. But if we do that, we're going to find that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and we'll find rest for our souls. So there is a cost, but it's an easier burden than we otherwise would be carrying. Do you see that? That's what Jesus is saying. His burden is easier than the burden we already have. We will find rest for our souls. And maybe some of you are wondering, well, when are we going to experience the rest? And I've been waiting for it, I've been looking for it. But maybe that's because you haven't understood what's involved in being a disciple. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And as you live that new life, you will find rest for your souls. See, what's he saying? It's a picture of how an animal is trained to work. An ox or a horse is yoked to one who already knows how to work. 
And Jesus is saying, get in the harness with me. (laughs) Get involved with what I'm doing and I'll teach you as we go and I'll show you how to live. And as I teach you, you will find rest for your souls as your life is transformed. Because my way is the easier way. But you've got to get in the harness with me and learn from me. You've got to take my yoke upon you to have this rest. If I was to ask you to choose one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? I know you can't confine Jesus to just one word, but just looking at him in the Gospels, if you stood back and and watched him, what would be one word that you would use to describe him? Well, for me, I think one of the words that I would use to describe him is relaxed. Someone at peace. Um, Someone who's well qualified to give rest to our souls. And you see Jesus in the, the boat with the disciples in the storm and there he is, he's asleep. If you can see that. Relaxed. Charlie, I'm just waving. I thought you were going to ask a question. <laughs> oh, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's angry against people who are not with Jesus. But if we're with Jesus, God is not angry with us at all, ever. So so we find rest for our souls because we know that God is not angry with us at all. The condemnation of God is lifted from us and we have, in fact, eternal life with him. Um, But even now, in our lives, we find a restful life. So what is Jesus saying? We find peace. We find shalom. As we take on his yoke and live the way he is showing us to live. If we take up his path of discipleship, life is easier. Yes, there are many challenges, but there are many challenges in everyone's life. We will find rest for our souls in the deepest part of ourselves, our souls. Uh, so we, need, we have to understand that Jesus says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So we have to take up our cross and follow him in order to have the rest that Jesus wants us to have. It's talking about laying down our old life and taking up a new life in, with Jesus in the kingdom of God. Uh, the life of heaven... Life with the resources of God working through us and with us. Life with Jesus supporting us, walking with us, empowering us through his spirit. Um, We lay down our old life in order to have this new life. And Jesus is saying to do that, you have to understand that uh, that being in his presence as his disciple... And following him is the most important thing in life. 
Or in Matthew 6.33, he says, seek first his kingdom. Uh, Seeking first the kingdom of God means it's more important than anything else (laughs) to be seeking this kingdom. And the kingdom of God is God's power, God's presence and God's action through Jesus Christ and his people. So to seek the kingdom of God is to be involved in what God is doing through Christ and his people. See, that's the same idea as the easy yoke. It means being involved in what Jesus is doing. It means being involved in what Jesus is doing with his people. Being yoked to him means joining a community of others who are yoked to him and walking together. And when we're involved in what he's doing, what's the rest of Matthew 6? What does it say? All these things will be given to you as well. Everything you need will be given to you if you seek first the kingdom of God. You will find rest for your soul. So I've got three questions coming out of this as we start this year. The big question for all of us is, am I a disciple? We need to think carefully about this. And Jesus is saying, weigh up what it means. Be clear what's involved. Are you up for this? Um, There is a lot of confusion that people have about what being a disciple is. We need to confront that this year and be absolutely clear what following Jesus involves. So if you're not a disciple of Jesus, absolutely urgent that you become a disciple of Jesus. And count the cost. Be aware what what will be involved and then step into that life with Jesus. Secondly, what is a disciple? Basically, you're a disciple of Jesus if you're with him and his people learning to be like him. So am I with Jesus in a community of his people learning to follow him? Discipleship is always in community, a community that is with Jesus learning his way. Jesus never disciples anybody one-on-one. It's a community that he has around him that he is discipling in community. They together are learning to take up the yoke. Are you with Jesus and his people learning to follow him together? I love how Jesus puts it in Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will give you rest. Because we're in the desert, aren't we? That's where we are as human beings. The place of no provision. The place where our needs are not being met. And so Isaiah has all these wonderful visions of opening fountains in the desert, streams of living water in the desert. And he's talking about Jesus. Come to me. You will have these streams of living water. You will find rest. I will lead you beside quiet waters and restore your soul. My rod and my staff will comfort you. Psalm 23. So am I with him and his people in that relationship of nourishment? Learning his easy yoke. Learning how to rest in him and live from his resources. Am I learning a new way of living in his presence with his people? And again... 
it's just so amazing that people think being a disciple of Jesus is hard compared to the alternatives. No, it's the easy yoke. <laughs> it's the best way to live. Do you think it's easy to hate your enemies? Or is it easier to learn to love your enemies? Do you think it's hard to love one another and love our neighbours? But how hard is it to live without that love? Jesus' way is best. Thirdly, what does it mean to carry my cross? Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Did you notice it's my cross, it's not Jesus' cross? <laughs> the only way I can be a disciple is to carry my cross. See, the cross was the standard instrument of Roman rule in that time. On one day, they actually crucified 10,000 Jews uh, in Jerusalem. And so the sight of a person carrying their cross down the street was almost as common as police setting up a roadblock these days. Uh, it was routine. Men were condemned to death and the instrument of their death was put on their back and they had to walk to the place of execution where they would die. That's the image Jesus is saying. Take up your cross is an image of I have to die. What does carrying my cross mean? You see a guy trudging past. He has a cross on his shoulders. He's going to the place of execution. What's he thinking about? Is he thinking about my lost goat? Where is it? Or something. Uh, is he thinking about what am I going to do in the summer? No, he's not. The meaning of the cross is the end of my life, essentially. That's the fundamental point. It's the end of my life. And the reason my life has to end is to get to the life that's beyond my life. So the meaning of carrying my cross is it's the end of my life and that means I've decided to follow life in the way Jesus is giving it. I've died to my way so that I can live his way, have his life. My posture is my way is no longer primary. It's certainly not essential in my life. Carrying our cross means it's no longer important to do it our way. We've signed that over to Jesus so that we now can do it his way. It's no longer important that we do it our way. That's the meaning of the cross. And that's why it has incredible power to liberate us because our way is oppressive. Our way is a burden. But his way is freedom. Not just for us, but freedom that spills out from our lives to those around us. So Jesus is saying we must step out from under the crushing burden of doing it our way and find the rest of doing it his way. So carrying our cross means we've adopted an attitude of abandoning, having to have it our way. And this is what Jesus means when he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it, Mark 8, 35. Which is just at the absolute centre of Mark. It's the absolute 
pivotal statement that Jesus makes. See, the cross is where we find life. The place of death is the place of life. Because if we abandon needing to do it our way, then we're in a position to really live. I think I should say that again. If we abandon the pursuit of our way, then we're in the position to really live as we follow him and live as his disciples. And the reason we can now be his disciples is because nothing is going to prevent us following him fully because we've laid down the need to do it our way. So we'll no longer be saying, well, Jesus says this and Jesus is like that and he wants me to live this way, but I want this other thing. I want to hold on to this other thing. Well, that other thing is causing you to have the life that is not working in the way Jesus wants it to work. Let go and follow Jesus and you will find rest for your soul. Once we turn our lives over him, we enter a new life. 1 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. Or actually, it's 2 Corinthians. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Paul is saying, in a sense, Jesus didn't go to the cross so we wouldn't have to. There is a sense in which Jesus went to the cross so that we wouldn't have to, but there's also a sense that he went to the cross so that we would take up that same posture. Uh, He gave his life. He abandoned himself to the loving hands of the Father. He put so much trust in the Father and abandoned himself to death, even death on a cross. And we are called to do likewise, to abandon ourselves and place ourselves in his loving hands. And Jesus says in Luke 9.23, we want to do that daily. Take up your cross daily. And this is the journey of discipleship. This is what it means to follow him. Laying aside our way each day to live his way. And we will find rest for our souls. So that's what this year is about. The story and the way of Jesus. Amen.